morning. <laughs> Welcome to fellowship. It's good to see your faces and be gathered together here in this space. And those of you who are joining us online, either right now or catching up later in the week, it's good to be gathered together, united by the Spirit. No matter what kind of a week you've had, it is our invitation this morning from God to us as individuals and as Christ's body to root ourselves in the unshakable character of God. Whether it's been a week where you feel like you've been barely treading water or maybe one in which you look back with tons of gratitude for what's taken place, maybe a bit of both as many of us experience week after week, it is God's character, God's unshakable character in the midst of everything that really roots us and that we are invited to trust in this morning. I would invite you to stand now and I will read the words of Psalm 46 that really speak of God's character and let's find ourselves in this, in God's unshakable love for us. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let's sing together. Yeah. 
morning. This week, we are heading into week five of our Lenten journey together. As a community, we have had this Lenten devotional that we've been going through where each week we explore a different theme. So even if you haven't been doing that so far, uh, with these last two weeks as we get close to Easter, I invite you, you can still grab one and take part in our practice for these next two weeks. These are out at the information table. This week's theme is the theme of less arguing and more affirming. In Ephesians 4, Paul asks the church to answer the call to be a community that makes every effort to maintain unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Will you join me with the words on the screen for today's prayer of confession? O Lord, you desire truth in our inward being. Come to us with your light, 
come to us with your truth. God, this morning we come before you as people who often disagree with one another. In our disagreements, we try to solve our problems with arguments. We confess that a lot of these arguments are not motivated by holy reasons. Forgive us for the times that we argue because we are afraid of being wrong. Forgive us when we belittle others by thinking that their opinion doesn't matter. We are in a culture where we divide ourselves based on our beliefs. Political parties, church denominations, racial discrimination, there are so many ways to see each other as us and them. Forgive us when we dehumanize others, humble us and help us to see all people as your creation. To affirm others means that we need to know others. We have to take the time to hear them. Lord, forgive us when we have been in too much of a rush to acknowledge one another. Grant us eyes to see and patience to understand. You have bound us together through your spirit, through your love. Help us affirm each other. We pray that our community would be known for our love of you and our love for one another. Turn our hearts towards your love. O oh Lord, you desire truth in our inward being. Come to us with your light. Come to us with your truth. Friends, we have confessed our sins, and because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are forgiven, and we are called to live in this peace. So this morning, may the peace of Christ be with you.
Good morning, Fellowship Church. It's good to be with you. Uh, if the children are, are looking to go to Sunday school at this time, Miss Betsy's in the back. Uh, you can be dismissed right now uh, so that you can make it back in time for communion at the end of this service. My name is Nate Skipper, and I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship Church, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. If you are new or visiting with us this morning, first off, welcome. We're glad you're here. And if you would like to make yourself known to us, we have these little connection cards that are at the Welcome Center. Feel free to uh, fill one out uh, and pass them on to the person standing there. Also back there in the uh, atrium or uh, whatever by the Welcome Center area is a, a table for walk for water. We, we hear that, that warm weather might be coming someday at some period of time in, in the spring at some point uh, somewhere down the road. And we're hoping that that happens in three weeks or it, 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 within the next three weeks because we're going to walk to Lake uh, Michigan and fill up some water like many folks in our world have to do every single day. Uh, as a way to advocate and to remember those that also walk uh, for water and we'll walk in solidarity with them on April 24th. Uh, sign up for that uh, and we can get you a t-shirt for that too. Also coming this summer, if it ever comes, is some softball. Uh, if you would like to join us, uh, there we have an inner uh, male team and a Co-ed team, that's the word from the coach, Darren Deistermars, right over here. Uh, he uh, is... Uh, Excellent coach, and he can work with anybody. I am proof of that, uh, that have no baseball or softball skills. Also, uh, we as, as a church body um, believe, that, uh, believe in the importance of leadership. Uh, and so there's a couple of significant leadership things going on in our congregation. The first is that we as a community do, uh, take part in a process of nominating our next elders and deacons, which is what we call our consistory. Uh, and those folks have been nominated, they've been called and interviewed by the, the previous consistory, and uh, the double slate was presented to you uh, the last couple weeks in, in worship in the bulletin. And this past week at our consistory meeting, we drew lots, which is a way for us to take the power or influence out of a certain body uh, and, and kind of uh, draw the names that will be our single slate for this coming year. Information about that is in the bulletin, the single slate. And so if you'd like to offer feedback from that, uh, we will be having a uh, a meeting next April 10, next Sunday, after both services, if you'd want to share any input you have about that. But we will officially vote on those folks on April 24th. That's the first leadershipy thing. Uh, we as a church are led by our consistory. The second leadership thing is that the consistory works alongside of uh, the pastors uh, in trying to uh, serve the congregation and the greater community. And we have, uh, we're in the midst of a pastoral transition, as you might know, and we have a final candidate who came and preached a couple weeks ago, and I have a special note from said candidate named Tierra Marshall, and this is what she would like to say to the fellowship community. Grace and peace to you as you gather this morning. After a great deal of prayer and discernment, I have accepted your call to be one of your co-lead pastors, and I could not be more thrilled to join this community. As I spoke with many of you over the last several months, poured over your website and church profile, and connected with those who have served faith fellowship faithfully over the years, I discovered just a small sample of the richness that is the fellowship community, your heart to serve others, your warmth and hospitality as a community, your willingness to collaborate with other churches for the sake of being good news to those around you, your capacity to remain centered in Christ amidst, uh, amidst divisive clashes in the larger culture, your desire to be ambassadors, signpost, and foretaste of Christ's coming kingdom, and the beautiful heritage of fellowship as a community that makes all of these characteristics rather authentic and instinctive to you. I am humbled, honored, and elevated, and elated, <laughs> forgive me, hum humbled, honored, and elated to serve as one of your pastors, to champion and cultivate the richness that abides in fellowship to discern, equip, and empower the good works God has prepared in advance for us to do, and to be an instrument of Christ's transformation as we pray, sing, celebrate the sacraments, and study scripture together. And 
to be your friend in the fun times and in the hard times and in everything in between. Grace and peace to you, Tierra Marshall. Give it up. We are eager uh, to walk and serve alongside of Tierra as she joins our pastoral staff. Third pastor or leadership thing is that you might know that Fellowship Church has long had a history of being a teaching church, is what we call it. And the idea behind a teaching church is that we partner with uh, our, our local seminary, Western Theological Seminary, in raising up and equipping leaders uh, to serve the church both here and uh, across the world. And as one of the exercises of that is that we get to have seminary interns that join us for a couple years at a time as they walk through seminary. This morning, one of our seminary interns is uh, here with us to preach, and her name is Regan Harms, if you haven't met her before. Regan hails from northwest Iowa, uh, a little tiny town uh, in, well, maybe not tiny, a small town uh, in northwest Iowa called Orange City, which uh, is where she went to school at Northwestern College, but also where she grew up at a, a, a church named Trinity church, Reformed Church in Orange City, Iowa. And if that kind of rings a bell for some of you fellowshipians, uh, that's because we know a lot of people that have come there, and, and we even have a pastor that used to serve here that is now serving there, uh, and that is uh, Reagan's home church. Reagan has served with us for the last couple years as an intern uh, facilitating a Bible study, and we are so excited uh, to have her come and preach her first ever sermon on a Sunday morning to a congregation. What? <laughs> give it up for Reagan. Let's give her a little fellowship love. <laughs> Reagan, we are grateful uh, for your uh, courage to share with us this morning, and uh, I'd love to pray for you if that's all right. Yes, thank God, you. God, thank you uh, for Reagan Harms, for the gifts that you have given her, and for her willingness to share those gifts with us. We pray that you might uh, stir in all of our hearts uh, uh, an open receptivity to what you might be saying to us this morning through her we ask that you might bless the words that she's prepared and that she might be attentive to how your spirit might be guiding her and us uh, in this moment. We ask that you might give her a special measure of your grace and peace as she does that and shares with us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Reagan, we're excited to welcome <laughs> you to the pulpit here. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Fellowship Church. It, I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. It is a pleasure to have been able to serve with you for the last almost two years now. Now, before we jump into this morning's text, I want, found in John 16, I want us to set the scene. For the last several chapters, Jesus and his disciples have been gathered in the upper room, a place famously known as the location of the Last Supper. The words spoken here are, in a sense, Jesus' last will and testament. He knew them knew that the time was coming when he would no longer be with them. So in these moments, Jesus turns his full attention to this small group of loyal followers. So I invite you this morning to remember this portion of the story of God as it is written in the book that we love from John 16. Jesus went on to say, a little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Then some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying to us, a little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me? And because I am going to the Father. They said, what does he mean by this a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, are you discussing among yourself what I mean when I say, a little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pains because her hour has come, but when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. On that day, you will ask nothing of me. Very truly, I tell you, 
If you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly of the Father. On that day, you will ask in my name. I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and am going to the Father. His disciples said, yes, now, we, now you are speaking plainly, not in any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need to have anyone question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? The hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each one of you to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have said this to you so that, you so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. These famous words spoken by Jesus at the end of this passage acknowledge that things aren't always going to be easy. In fact, throughout this passage, we see instances of how we might experience this trouble that Jesus is referencing in our own lives. Jesus, at the beginning of this passage, is speaking in figures of speech, which leave the disciples quite confused as to what he is talking about. They don't know what he is saying to them. Because we know what happened to Jesus at the end of his life, it makes sense to us. But that wasn't the case for them. Jesus says, a little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Immediately after Jesus says this, the disciples start to question what he is saying with one another. They ask each other, what could he mean by saying this? The disciples were confused. They didn't really understand what was going on or what he was talking about. Have you ever come upon a door that was locked? One that you wanted to get through to see what was on the other side? No, one that you needed to get through to see what was on the other side. Did you go searching for the key? Did you ask someone to help you unlock the door? Did you try and peek underneath the door or through peepholes or keyholes just to get a glimpse of what was on the other side? I often refer to my journey to understand my call as a series of doors. In each phase of life, I come into a new room where I encounter a door. This door is locked, though, and I, being so eager to see what's on the other side of the door, will do anything I can to get a glimpse. When I took a leap a couple years ago to move to Holland, Michigan, to start at Western Theological Seminary, I stepped through a new door into this next room of my life. It was a door that had been opening since my sophomore year of college. That was where things started to make sense. That was when Jesus helped me to find the key to unlock the door. Except, just because I found that key, it didn't mean that the door was going to open right away. That would be too easy. The door had been slowly swinging open over the course of three years. The more I learned in my classes, at church, in everyday life from my peers and mentors about myself and God, the more the door opened. Things were starting to fall into place the more I explored this room that was leading up to the door that led to the next phase of my life. I knew that I would be getting my Masters of Divinity. At, I knew I would be going to Western Theological Seminary except what I didn't know was what it would be like when I came here. It wasn't until I finally stepped through that door into this new phase of my life that I was fully able to understand what God had in store for me. 
It wasn't until I stopped trying to unlock the door by myself and allowed Jesus to unlock it when he was ready for me to see what was on the other side that I was truly able to understand where he was leading me. Just like the disciples in this passage, there are things are going to be confusing and hard to understand if we're trying to do it on our own. Jesus was right there with them. They could have easily asked him for help, which eventually they did get some help from him. But they struggled for a moment. Jesus saw them in that confusion, and instead of leaving them to sit in their lack of understanding, he took their hand and he guided them to where they needed to be. And he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Another type of trouble we see described in this passage is hardship. Jesus says in verse 20, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn to joy. Life can be unexpectedly hard. Unlike the lack, lack of understanding we see in the first part of this passage from the disciples, here we have the knowledge of the situation around us and know that things are difficult. Whether it's losing a loved one or an unforeseen diagnosis, whether it's tension among family and friends or struggles at work, or even if it's just the inability to get out of bed each morning. Life is hard. In these hard circumstances, people always say, keep your head up, things are gonna get better. And it can be so easy to snap and respond with, but what if they don't? What if I'm stuck in this darkness? In this moment, Jesus sees our pain. He isn't diminishing the idea that things are going to be difficult. He's holding this pain with gentleness. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn. You will have pain. He's not rejecting sorrow and pain, but understands it as a part of the human experience in a world that has turned its back on God and is in need of a savior. Grief and pain are accepted, are to be accepted and endured, but always with the confidence that it is no more than a passing stage. I was in a musical when I was in college whose story centered around pain. The closing song of this musical is entitled Light. It is a moment when the characters realize that things are actually gonna be okay. One of my favorite lyrics from this song is, takes place at a moment when all of the characters come together to sing these words as an acknowledgement of where they've come and a reminder of where they are going. They sing, day after day, we'll find the world, we'll find the world to find, day after day, we'll find the will to find our way, knowing that the darkest skies will someday see the sun. When our long night is done, there will be light. Jesus promises that one day our pain will turn to joy. Our hearts will rejoice and no one will take that joy away. Life is hard, but there is, there will be light. Jesus is that light. And he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In the last section of this passage, Jesus tells the disciples that the hour is coming when they will be scattered to their own homes. This line is not just a call to action, to live out our faith in our everyday lives. Jesus is telling them that he must leave, that they will be scattered to their homes and will be apart from one another. In a world so focused on belonging and the desire to be accepted, it can be so easy to feel like you are alone. 
I bet we've all felt that sometime in the last two years. In March 2020, each of us were scattered to our own homes. We were left alone in a world where it felt like everything was falling apart. It might even still feel like it is. Loneliness is not something that is unfamiliar, yet it is something that is often not talked about. It tends to be shoved in a corner to be forgotten about and hidden out of sight. When it might be something that is quite common for many of us. You may not feel like you truly belong anywhere, as if no one sees the real you. You might feel alone like no one cares or ever could. In a society that is so centered around technology, it can be easy to hide and disconnect from a community without even realizing it. We get so caught up in scrolling and putting on a facade just to fit in and show everyone that we have everything together, that we, fall, that we can fall into the danger of losing ourselves, losing the parts of us that we love the most feeling like no one could ever love you because you are struggling to love yourself. In the moment when the disciples are to leave after this, Jesus will be left alone. But he will not be alone, for the Father is with him. Just as the Father was always with the Son throughout the entirety of his, earth, his earthly life, God is also with us. In Genesis 28, an angel of the Lord says to Jacob in a dream, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Our God is a God who keeps his promises. God promises to never leave us. Right before this scene in John 16, Jesus describes to us how he must leave so the advocate can come. This advocate is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth who will guide us always. Loneliness is not something to be ashamed of. It's real and it's hard. And Jesus reminds us that we will never be alone because he is with us always. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus, at the end of this passage, acknowledges that things aren't always going to be easy. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you might be confused and not understand. You might be experiencing hardship, grasping onto any sign of hope for a better tomorrow. You might feel alone like there is no one out there who cares. But, Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus eases our confusion and helps us to understand. When we are experiencing hardship, Jesus is the hope when everything feels like it is crumbling down around us. Jesus truly cares about each and every one of us. And God proclaims over us saying, I am with you always. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world, amen. Friends, we have heard God wor God's word sung. We have heard God's word preached and prayed. Now, how is the spirit of God speaking to your heart? I invite you to stand. And as we respond in song, let's join our voices together.
Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, for I have overcome this world. I can think of no better place to embody that truth than here at this table where we are sustained for our journey with Jesus. It is at this table that we remember uh, in the midst of this journey the sacrifice that Christ has made for us and remember that in the midst of our loneliness and our hardship, in the midst of our confusion, Christ too has experienced all of those things and more. We also come to this table in communion believing that here at this table the Spirit is uniquely present with us with all of the faithful and with those that have gone on before and will come after us. Here at this table, we have communion with God and there is no more loneliness. We also come to this table in hope, believing that this table is just a foretaste of the the communion and the beauty uh, of the Christian community standing before Christ. We come to this table in remembrance and in communion and in hope. So let's pray together. It is, our right and our, it is right and our great joy to give you thanks and praise, O Lord, our God, creator and ruler of the universe. You are our shepherd. There is nothing we lack. You prepare a table before us, even in the presence of our enemies, and you anoint our heads with oil. The cup of blessing overflows. Therefore, we praise you and join with the choir of angels, with prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and with all the faithful from every time and place and praise you, holy God of majesty. Jesus, you are the light of the world, dispelling darkness and uncovering what is hidden. You have authority to judge, the grace to forgive, and the power to heal and set free. Since the world began, who has seen such things? Remembering your gracious acts in Jesus Christ, we take from your creation this bread and this cup and joyfully celebrate your dying and rising, as we wait for the day of your final coming. With thanksgiving, we offer our very selves to you to be living and holy sacrifices dedicated to your service and to this world. So gracious God, pour out your spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and cup that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. And by your spirit, make us one with Christ and with one another in your whole church in all of this world. Help us to live as children of light, always seeking what is good and right and pleasing to you. Wake the dead from their sleep to rise and shine with the light of Christ. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, and in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. At Fellowship Church, we believe that all who love God and are learning to follow Jesus are welcome at this table. If you are worshiping with us, we are going to do things a little bit differently, which I will tell you in about a minute. But if you are worshiping with us online, we encourage you to make ready your elements. And Pastor Ross, don't drop it in the sand. I know that you're sitting on the beach right now worshiping. No, just kidding. We uh, believe uh, that at this table, uh, we are reminded of Christ's gracious love for us. It's a gift that we receive, and there's nothing we can do to earn it. And so this morning, we are going to practice that in a little bit of a unique way in receiving the gift of God's love uh, from our elders and deacons as they will serve us up front in the sanctuary. It has been our custom to do this years gone by, but in our new reality for the last couple years, we haven't done it quite like this. So you will be invited to come up whenever you are ready to one of the three stations in the front or the gluten-free station over there. And after receiving the elements from the elder or deacon, you can consume them and then grab the cup and consume it, and there'll be a trash can right up here for you to dispose of from the cups that you use after consuming. We also will have rovers at the back of the sanctuary. If you are not ready to come forward just yet, uh, you may stay in your seat and just raise your hand and an elder or deacon will serve you there. My friends, on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after they had supper, he took the cup of blessing and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
as often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. For the bread which we break and the blood cup which we bless is to us the communion of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I'd like to invite the elders and deacons to come forward at this time. My friends, these are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. Come, for all things are now ready.
Friends, it's been our practice during Lent to turn and face one another at the end of the service and sing a blessing, God's blessing over one another. Um, join me if you're on this side, join me and Megan in singing our part, and if you're on this side, join Darren and Becca. <laughs> Go in peace.